search goes on in San Francisco for the man known as the Zodiac Killer. In New York, the search continues for the 44 caliber killer. See if you can explain to me why I would want to be a Scientologist. Betches Media presents... Tell me we have a lead. Stone Cold, no. It was literally like the Hunger Games. Not another true crime podcast. What can I say? Tough titties. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy, your partners in Wine, Crime, and Time. And we're back with a little part two of last week's episode. Very exciting. If you didn't listen to part one, go listen to it. We discussed the Sauter family and the events that led up to their home burning down in a terrible fire on Christmas Day, 1945. And today we're going to talk about the fire and all the strangeness that came after all the strangeness. And it's so funny, too, because this is such not funny, but it's like such like a depressing thing that happened on Christmas. And looking back, I feel like so many Christmas songs are so depressing that this kind of fits with the season. Like grandma got run over by a reindeer. Like that one is so sad. And then also what (laughs) child is this? You know what I mean? It's kind of like I get it from like the biblical sense of it. But then I feel like there's other times if you interpret it the wrong way, it's like what child is this? And that's kind of <laughs> what I think of when I get a lot of Christmas cards from people that send the baby before the baby's like camera ready. It's a lot of what child is this? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So we kind of talked about what had happened leading up to the fire, but essentially around, around 1 a.m., Jenny, the matriarch of the family, was woken up by smoke filling the house. Um, And also, I didn't mention this last episode, but Basically, only George, Jenny and nine of the kids were in the house because one of their kids was one of their sons was in the army. Just an important side note. So the fire started around 1 a.m. George, Jenny and four of the children escaped. These are Sylvia, who was then two, 17 year old Marion, 23 year old John and 16 year old George Jr. So George immediately like springs in action. He tried to save the other five kids. Of course he first, so first he gets out of the house. First he breaks a window to go to try to go back into the house, but he couldn't see through the smoke and he figured the kids were upstairs, but he couldn't get up the stairs because they were burning. So he decided he would go outside to try to get them out through the upstairs window. But The problem was that the ladder he usually kept against the house was missing. Mm. Yes, Mm. indeed. And it was later found discarded in a ditch. And never try. You always, whenever something ends up in a ditch, it's never placed there with good intention. (laughs) You know what I mean? Never. No. (laughs) You're never like, I found $100 in this ditch. Right. You're not getting AirPods in no ditch, (laughs) bitch. Yeah, so the ladder was out. Then he fit, he thought he would drive one of his trucks up to the house and stand on top of the truck to reach the window. Neither truck would start. But strangely, they were working the day before. And then here's another weird thing. He apparently tried to scoop water out from a rain barrel, but it was frozen solid, I guess, to try to, I don't know, stand on that as well. So that was another... A potential solution that was out. Here's more weirdness. Marion ran to a neighbor's to call the fire department, but she couldn't get an operator there. And then another neighbor also saw the smoke, but apparently couldn't get the operator. 
So eventually one of the neighbors drives into town and had to personally hunt down the fire chief, basically. <laughs> and this is like such a shit show. It actually kind of reminds me of John Benet Ramsey because um, just because one of the reasons that case was so like that crime scene was so mishandled was because it was Christmas and all the like veteran officers were off and they Walking had like the rookie knock. cops yeah. working Boulder PD. So, um, <laughs> so this kind of sort of happened like that with the fire department because the fire department was understaffed because of that time of year. Also, a lot of the men were off to war. And they had this dumbass system. This was my editorializing, not what the Smithsonian put down. But uh, apparently there was no siren. So what you'd have to do if you had a fire was you'd have to call the operator who would call a firefighter. And then it was literally a phone tree to get the rest of the squad together to, like, go fight the fire. Like, is this Boy Scouts? Like, why is it like junior league type of situation? Like, connect, like saying, like doing like a game of telephone. Literally a game of telephone. It's like, hey, we got to go fight the fire. And then <laughs> I don't know, some guy probably mishears you and ends up doing something else. Oh, truly. Serious game of telephone. So that's fucked up. So as we mentioned before, the fire started at 1 a.m. Even though the fire station was only two miles from their house, by the time the firefighters got there, it was eight in the morning and the house was burned to the ground, like long burned to the ground. Really? Seven hours later. Seven. Like. I. Like you could have run to the firehouse, figured out how to drive a fire truck and oh. driven it two miles before these people came. Like ice could have the ice could have melted that was frozen. You could start throwing that on the yeah, you're fire right. to put out. Yeah, it's in. Oh my god, you're right. I could have like spit out the fire <laughs> in that point of time. It's like poop, poop. And then I also was confused. I mean, I guess you can't because it was like such a blaze. Like I'm like, wouldn't people be throwing water buckets on it and stuff like that in the neighborhood? But then I was like, that's probably a weird thing you can't totally do. But. I have no idea. I mean, maybe they tried, but maybe yeah. I don't know. Or maybe that's what happened with the rain barrel. Oh, that's probably it. Oh. Maybe he tried to use the rain barrel to help put out the fire, but it was frozen. Frozen because it was Christmas, of course. Okay, so everything was just or because of sabotage. Sabotage. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so here is kind of went on from after that with the kids and them. So of course, like Sarah said, uh, five of them were not found or also did not leave with them at the house and he couldn't find them but when they went to look inside the house with like the rubble and everything like that there were no trace of remains anywhere according to the smithsonian article uh and an npr article says that firefighters conducted a quote-unquote brief informal search (laughs) and found a few bones and pieces of internal organs but never was like being like hey this is what we found or like and of course back then you can't really test stuff yeah, this was weird because most of the sources I've read was saying one thing, which was that there wasn't really their remains found. This NPR article kind of tried to debunk it. Um, so it said that they did find stuff, but they never told the family about it, which why wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't that be the first thing you'd do? Right. And then when we get into uh, what they get told about later, you find out they're not being that. <laughs> they're so weird. They're so it. that's the thing too with this case. It's such a bizarre type of handling not only in like the half-acity of it but also in the what the half-acity i love this word i'm gonna use it 
the half-assity of it all. Um, <laughs> I know it's like the audacity, but the half-assity, right? Because you don't have the audacity. <laughs> you have half an ass. <laughs> uh, so the fire marshal said to leave the site alone, and they'd come back to do a more thorough search. Because you know what the best way to do with like a crime scene or a scene? Leave it for a little bit. Yeah. What? Let it simmer. Yeah. Let it. We're work. in no rush here. Like, um. <laughs> yeah. Let it. Let it. Let it. Let it do its thing. Um, of course. I mean, if you unsurprisingly the father george did not listen because he wants answers and days later bulldozed four to five feet of dirt onto the home and i think he was just emotional uh, emotional yeah that's it's i mean a fair too uh and they turned it into a memorial for the lost children which is sweet but of course it's also one of those things like that is the crime scene right it it possibly hindered their (laughs) ability to find out what indeed happened to their children so you know you know, y'all, as Alanis would say, you live, you learn. <laughs> the fire chief thought the fire was hot enough to cremate them. Because that was the issue, too, that a lot of people were saying, and we'll get into, like, the science of it, that it's like, how wh- bones should be able to be found or something like that. But then mm-hmm. uh, they uh, were saying that it could have been hot. State police inspectors chalked the fire up to faulty wiring, which goes with the stranger. <laughs> the fuse box. Fuse box. Uh, the coroner issued five death certificates for the kids, but the Sodders wondered if they were still alive, just because, of course, you want to cling to that A and B. It's sort of like, well, they didn't find the remains of them. Right. It's like, who who, who could have known? And it's weird, too, with the, the ladder being moved, everything like that. All that stuff. Bizarre. All that stuff. Uh, Jean, uh, Jenny wasn't convinced and started doing her own experiments, which I kind of was like, when I read this, I was like, that's kind of smart on her. Like, I know I was like, okay. Yeah. So she started to burn like animal bones from like pork meat, whenever anything, just to see if like a bone could really turn into like embers and completely disintegrate. And none of them would burn completely. Uh, a crematorium then, cause she went to, she really did her own recon with this. Yeah. Uh, resourceful that uh, you'd have to burn a body at 2,000 degrees for two hours to make that kind of uh, disintegration happen. And the fire only lasted for 45 minutes. So, and I mean- And I don't know how, how hot a house fire is if that's really 2,000 degrees. So who who knows to say? Well, and what I was thinking too is I'm like the fire, I mean, of course it was hot, but it was in Christmas, wintertime too. So everything would have been a little bit colder too, I want to say, even though it is a house fire. I have but no idea, but yeah. it wasn't long enough. Exactly. Uh, she also found kitchen utensils still intact after the fire. So that's kind of what's like, it didn't burn my spork, but it was able to burn five my bodies. My spork. <laughs> Listen, no self-respecting Italian woman is going to be cooking with a spork. That's true. She's got, but My she's grandma got would roll over in the grave. <laughs> she's got a spoon for her pasta, though, and that's all that matters. Yes. Uh, afterwards, a telephone repair man told them, this is, this is weird, that their phone lines had been cut and that they hadn't burned in the fire. Mm. And the weird thing is, you know, the phone lines were cut then later on because of the the phone call, the per, the phone call from a stranger that they got to. Oh, yeah. Wait. So I guess the lines would have had to have been cut after that phone call from after the stranger. The call. So that's not a lot of time. And that's kind of a mm. weird shadow or weird, weird uh, bloop in there. Uh, it is a if, weird bloop. Right? If the fire was because of faulty wiring, their power wouldn't have been dead. So the downstairs light would have not been on also. So that's the thing. Tech was work or tech, but electricity was all working for this house before that's true. this happened. 
They also recalled that Christmas lights were on outside while the house burned, which kind of goes into the idea too that this wasn't like a short circuit because if there's a short circuit, everything would be done for the count. Hmm. Uh, witnesses also said that they saw a man at the scene taking a block and tackle used to remove car engines. What? So that would explain why the car didn't work. The truck. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I was like, oh, sorry, I was about to sneeze for a second. I was like, am I being possessed by them? It's not happening. That was a tease, guys. But now it's like, <laughs> now my day's ruined too because I'm just going to be thinking about that sneeze. But that's besides the <laughs> Um A uh, bus driver also told police that he saw a group of people throwing balls of fire at the house. Yeah, I don't get what that was about. But this was from, um, okay, it was either from the Smithsonian Magazine article or um, this Australian. Well, now that I think about it, I'm like, is this a tabloid? I mean, but here's a news.com.au. So you let me know if that's legitimate. I mean, I think they get, well, I think it's one of those things too, where it's like, it's probably legitimate in the sense that it publishes stuff, but also this is kind of like folklorian where it's like over time more people. Right. And also just because someone says they saw it doesn't mean it was there. Exactly. The bus driver just like, I saw the balls of fire. Everyone's like, who? Yeah. I'm like, what does that mean? But I swear I didn't like write this in a fever dream or anything. Right. Like I copied this from a source. Not copied, but like I got this from a source. Even though the next sentence is Sylvia found a pineapple bomb at the site. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's like a thing. So they found this um like rubber thing and then George identified it as like this type of like bomb or something that they would that people would like use. Like I'm I'm imagining sort of like a hand grenade. Oh, that makes it. sense. I'm imagining SpongeBob. So we're no, no, no. different parts. I'm going to end up on some watch list, you guys, but I'm Googling pineapple. Oh, because it looks like a pineapple. So it's probably a grenade. Yeah. Images. Oh, it is just a it is just a grenade. Like what you like typically a... imagine how it does look like a pineapple. Yeah. Well, it looks like Great. a pineapple. And well, it was cool. worth it. Uh, I'll talk to you guys from a federal prison. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I always whenever I Google some shit like researching for an episode, I'm like, well. But then part of me now I shouldn't say this. I'll say it. Part of me is like, what if I feel like now I do have enough of a cover to get away with the crime? Because oh. if I, it, it's like if I Google like chloroform 200 times in a day, that's not immediately suspicious. That's true. OK, so now you are definitely on a watch list. Now I'm on a watch list. Now, now, before now, now. I wasn't. Now I'm doing it. Now that's they, cool. They that's cool. Case, Sarah. <laughs> uh, George then sent a letter to the FBI, which I did not know was possible, but that's fun for him. This is why in my brain this shit took place in 1847, because (laughs) I'm like, in what year could I just write a letter? Like, I'm really just going to fucking write a letter to J. Edgar Hoover like he's my pen pal and he's going to answer it. He answered it. That's the part that I'm like, what? He got a reply who basically and uh, J. Edgar Hoover said it's basically a local matter and not in the FBI's jurisdiction, but he would like to be of service. Okay. Uh, local police wouldn't let the FBI come, and the Sodders were convinced that because of that, it was a cover up. I mean, there's some sketchiness there. No, I just like, I don't understand. It takes me like four weeks to get a form email back from my own elected officials. <laughs> I'm just honestly, my mind is blown that this guy got a letter back from J. Edgar Hoover. Hoover. Like, that's nuts. He he's I mean, I was going to say he's killing it. I'm like, not really, because it was not for the best case, but fun to get a letter from him. 
I should start sending more letters. Maybe who knows? Okay. Yeah. Right. Maybe uh, you can get James Kobe to come on the podcast if we write him a letter. Ooh. Except I don't know. Like, do people read letters anymore? He seems like he would. He would. He would. He would definitely would. Yeah. So then George hired a PI who found that the insurance guy who threatened George was, and that was the life insurance who was the whole Mussolini Mussolini guy, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, was part of the coroner's jury who declared the fire accidental. Sketch. And he also heard rumors that the fire marshal found a heart at the scene and buried it at the scene. But what? Like in a box. Like he told, a, I think, a priest that he buried some organ in a in like a metal box. Again, this is why this sounds like it was from the 1700s. I'm like, yeah. what? You Literally. Told the, you told the priest you buried a heart in a box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but of course, that uh, turned out to be beef liver. <laughs> They literally like dug it up, brought it to the coroner, and the coroner was like, "This is a beef liver." It was beef liver liver that also wasn't remotely fire damaged at all. So yeah, because he buried just... it in a metal box, which I don't understand what the logic was there. A slab of what? And they apparently, what the fire chief was doing, he was going around town trying to tell people that he did it to because he thought if the Sauter family found it, they would give up the investigation and stop asking questions. It doesn't make any sense because. If I died and my body burned in a fire, did my ghost put it in the box? Right? Like, how exactly. did my heart end up in a metal box? And um, then <laughs> like after I'm di- that. I'm sorry, I'm just not over this. <laughs> like, this is why I think this story took place in like the 1800s. Well, that's the thing too, because that's like even when they were digging it, they're like, okay, cool. So, like, the fire demons put it in a box? Like, how did that <laughs> like, take place? This is what I'm saying. Oh my also, God. what kind of box was it was and it the like fact every they're gift? like ah we're just gonna come back in a few days to do the mm. investigation like don't go anywhere what if it yeah, had like know. snowed it's this, christmas truly and this was before global warming so it snowed a lot there or maybe west virginia oh west virginia knows a lot yeah isn't it mountainy yeah country road take me home john denver for anybody yeah. who knows john denver <laughs> <laughs> everybody knows that song right uh, oh, true. I guess it plays a lot of bars um, when those existed. <laughs> uh, and then after this, of course, being frustrated and kind of now being um, given the go around by their local officials even more so, they erected this huge billboard with photos of the kids promising a 5K reward and then later upped it to 10K. I'm, I really got some big uh, three billboards outside Ebbets, Missouri vibes. It's what I literally that I was like, what is this reminding me of? And then I was like, Francis McDormand. Oh, 100%. So. Yeah, and this building, I mean, this building, this billboard had, like, huge photos of the kids and, like, a description of what happened. And, like, it was pretty striking as as any billboard of, like, missing children might be. You know, the standard for the, the genre of that. <laughs> for sure. So the we- the weird things didn't, stop happening and there were a lot of sightings of the kids but you can take these with a grain of salt because none of them ultimately led to anything yes now um, we're getting very much into the theories section. yes this is like where it starts to get weird well it's been weird this whole time but this is where it gets weirder so a woman says that she witnessed the fire and the kids in a passing car as the house was burning so this is like she literally saw this when the fire was happening And then that same year, 
of the fire. Also, a woman who ran a tourist shop 50 miles west of Fayetteville said that she saw the children in the shop the morning after the fire. And like she had reported like a Florida license plate, I think. Or maybe this. Yeah, Florida. Yeah. So then a woman um, at a Charleston hotel who worked there said that she saw um, four out of the five children a week after the fire. And she said they were with like Italian men and women. um, And then they stayed in like a big room for all of them. And she said that they really weren't allowed to speak to her. Like she tried to talk to the kids just in a friendly way. The men just kind of started yelling in Italian to the kids. And then they just, you know, backed off completely. So she was like, something was weird that I wasn't allowed to talk to those kids. Yeah. I feel like also that's just a weird scenario in Charleston. You're like, what here? What's going on here? That's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah. If you can't be friendly in Charleston, they're, they're very suspicious of you. I'm told. Um, <laughs> Good to know. No, I don't know. I just completely <laughs> talking out of my ass, but then George thought that he saw Betty in a newspaper photo of some New York City school children. So they drove up to New York City, but the girl's parents wouldn't let him speak to her, which to me is like, yeah, kind of no shit. That's my thing, too. I'm like, you're not going to just like be like, hey, here's this random Italian man from West Virginia. Come say hi to my daughter. Like, n- n- that's terrifying. Yeah. Like, even if there's nothing you know, nefarious going on there. You're not just going to let some strange man who drove up from West Virginia talk to your child. So then in 1949, the Sodders got a new expert to look at the scene who found some vertebrae shards at the fire scene. They tested it and concluded that the bones belonged to one person who probably would have been about 16 or 17, could have been as old as 22, could have been as young as 14. And they concluded that it would have been a male, I think. Um, But those shards, the vertebrae didn't show any signs of having been exposed to fire. And they ended up concluding that it was just in the dirt that George poured in the basement, which, Mm. you know, like your dirt has bones in it. Yikes. That's kind of, oof. I mean, Google what's in a hot dog and then you'll really just. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm thinking about that all the time, like those tweets. And I'm just like, if you've ever eaten a hot dog, don't worry about what's in the vaccine. Yeah, no, but worry about what's in your body. Now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So also um, a woman in St. Louis sent a letter to the Sodders that Martha was in a convent there a Texas bartender so that they heard two people brag about committing the kidnappings in 1968. Jenny got an unmarked letter from Kentucky with a photo of the man that said it was Frankie. Mm -hmm. They sent their PI to Kentucky, but the PI basically just took their money and they never heard from him again. And that, that letter and that photo was probably just a cruel prank. I, I kind of feel like that is definitely what it was. I mean, a nice picture, but a cruel prank. Yes. And then a woman in Houston wrote George a letter saying that a guy that she knew got drunk one night and confessed to her that he was Lewis Sodder and he was living with his brother Maurice, which I don't even think was that even one of the names. I don't think so. Like, oh, do I have the energy to scroll back up like 10 pages? Let's find out. Okay. Did they have a child named Maurice? Maurice. Yes. Okay. All right. They did. So that checks out. <laughs> Imagine if I did the fact checking that none of these people did. <laughs> They're like, yes, Wait. they did have a brother, Maurice. Okay. So 
George and his son-in-law drove to Houston, but they couldn't find the woman who originally wrote the letter. But local police were like, oh, we know who this guy is. So they let him there and he denied that convo happened. And he also denied that he was Lewis. So it was another dead end. I mean, which is kind of weird. Do you think it was him just wanting to like not be involved at all or just like a guy who got drunk? I think that if you come face to face with like your dad who you've been separated from for 20 something years, you I, I think you would have some kind of emotional response. That is true. I don't know. Um, yeah. George died in 1968. And then Jenny died in 1989. She wore black every day after oh. George's death, which I respect a consistent icon. I do. I do appreciate that. A New, a New Yorker at heart. A New Yorker at heart. And after Jenny's death in 1989, the kids finally took down the billboard. Sylvia, age 76, is the... Actually, age 76 whenever that article i read was written so give or take some years (laughs) you're like Um, give or take 20 years yeah she's the last surviving starter child and she was convinced that her siblings did not die in the fire oh yeah so she is 84 now wow go go sylvia go sylvia so as far as theories i mean there's a million but there's not really that many at the same time Because a lot of the theories are just like dead ends that lasted for two seconds, but there's some overarching ones. Yeah. Which one? So so out of the theories of an Italian mafia member (laughs) kidnapped the kids and set fire to cover it up, the children were kidnapped by someone they knew, or they just died in the fire. Sarah, where are you leaning? I'm honestly leaning towards the mafia. You know? I am too. Like George was shit-talking Mussolini. People knew that he was doing that. Um, all the weird happenings before the fire are bizarre. The number of people who told them their house was going to burn and then it did. That's that. And then also it's like, okay, so they got the phone call to kind of get them on edge and then you cut the cord, you cut all that, you do all these things. And then like the fact that it was all these people so mad about how they did not like Mussolini. I, I kind of lean towards that too. And also because... The mob knows how to cover up a goddamn paper trail. We know that. Right. That's so. what I'm saying. And then like I wonder- maybe that's why it took seven hours for the fire department to get there because the mob was like, Here, here's some money. Just well, take your time. That's just crawl to the fire. About all the neighbors who kept on going to operators. I'm like, were A, were either their wires cut too? B, was that really what happened? Or C, were they like, boop, boop, boop. Oh, sorry, it's not going through. If it was an entire if like their entire neighborhood were like of know. Italian or the operator who... was like MIA. Yeah. Or involved. I don't know. I mean, I, the, the prevailing theory on Reddit is just that the kids died in the fire and the solders like kind of bulldozed the evidence before anyone could do a proper investigation. So that is the prevailing theory on Reddit, but that seems too obvious for me. I think it's too obvious too. Cause I also feel like I'm like with Jenny too, that I'm like, there would have to be some evidence of a bone or something there. That's what I think too. Cause also then where was the ladder? Yeah. Why was the ladder moved? Hmm. Why didn't the truck start? Why? Like that what? is strange. Both of them. That's strange to me. You're telling me nothing is working here. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so either, but 
Then, so I was reading an article that said it was actually pretty common for like the mafia to kidnap people and then hold them for ransom. And that made me question if that is uh, an angle because why wouldn't they hold them for ransom? And also like when the Sodders put up a reward, if someone was kidnapping them to hold for ransom, like you would think that they would oh. then try to cash in. That's true. I wonder if it was a thing. Maybe they, maybe they people, maybe I, I don't know why I was kind of wondering. I was like, maybe they sent the kids back to Italy for some reason. It's like Joe, Joe Judice vibes. Very Joe Judici. Yeah. Um, I know that's cause that is true. It's like, what did the mafia do that for just to give them like torture, which I mean, fair, I, I guess. Mean, like emotional torture. Long con. And then it's kind of like, yeah. I don't know. Cause that's weird. No one came through with the ransom money. Super weird. Yeah. So I don't know, but I mean, I still think this fire was arson. Oh, a hundred percent without a doubt. I think it was definitely that. And I mean, it's kind of one of those moments where that sucks so much like this family then had like, it's nice. I guess that there was like still some, like the family had half of them together, but then also that's like, that's just over your heads for the rest of your life too. Yeah. I don't know. It's strange. It's strange. And I don't think that we'll ever get answers because there's only one surviving family member and. Oh God. I hope Sylvia's having some nice like port wine or something like that right now. Oh, (laughs) me too. Me too. I I want some port wine now. I'm, I'm, I'm about to pour, I'm about to pour up some port, uh, not Whitney port, even though shout out to her. Um, But I'm curious because me and you are aligned on this. If any of you disagree and you think you know why, we are wrong. And if you're going to tell us that they died in the fire, that's a perfectly logical Mm -hmm. um, explanation to have. But then let us know what you think about the ladder and all those weird elements, because I'm curious how that fits in. It it would be the, the strangest like set of coincidences ever. That that's the thing. It'd just be too much. Not. At, like n- none of it would have added up. Yeah. Yeah. Weird, weird, weird. So, I mean, that's that's all for the Sauter family fire. It's fun Christmas episode. This fun uh, seasonal episode. I mean, honestly, it was that or John Benet Ramsey again. So, that's, you know what? I found only, a new one. There's only so much Benet you could do. <laughs> so much Benet. <laughs> I know, I know. So, thank you guys for listening to this very special two part episode. I know I like the two parters. It's fun because I like I like leaving people with cliffhangers. It makes me feel powerful. I know. I feel kind of like an asshole, but also powerful. It's very we're teaching you guys edging. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. So please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And also join our Facebook group, but your theories in the group, not yes. another true crime group. And you can follow me on Instagram at, at Cashmere Danny, Cashmere with a K follow me at Sarah Lameem. Thanks for listening to us. Happy holidays. We'll talk to you guys next time. Betches.